and Jesus, who is the voice of the Lord, who comes and is over the waters, that God's glory thunders. Jesus proclaimed his message in the Sermon on the Mount. And people who were sinners flocked to him. And all the religious churchgoers just like were offended. Jesus is the one who is powerful. His voice is the Lord. Of, his voice is full of majesty. Jesus' voice breaks the cedars. He broke the wood of the cross at his death. He broke the cedar that Satan used to try to win victory over all humanity. And Jesus on the cross broke it. And he said, listen to my voice. And Jesus flashed forth flames of fire. He rose from the dead three days later. The tomb gave birth to the risen one like the deer gives birth in verse 9. And Jesus sits enthroned over the flood. He sits enthroned as king forever. Thanks for tuning in to the Trinity Presbyterian Church weekly podcast. We're glad you joined us. Trinity is a member congregation of the Presbyterian Church in America and the Acts 29 Network. We are located in Owasso, Oklahoma. Follow us at trinityowasso.com. Also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Trinity Owasso. This summer at Trinity's, we are preaching through the Psalms. This is our sixth year to preach through the Psalms in the summer, and now we come to a Psalm that we have not yet ventured into, Psalm 29. Psalms are more than a hymn book. They are a prayer book. They are a journal of David which became a prayer book for the church with a full orb of human emotion to remind us that the life of a Christian is not always just happy clappy. Sometimes the lament psalms are the most healing psalms you could read. And we come to Psalm 29, which is considered by some commentators to be a nature psalm or a creation psalm or a battle cry psalm. And so... If you're willing and able, let's stand together and we'll read Psalm 29. I will read for us and we'll respond with thanks be to God. God's Word is precious to us. For centuries, people didn't have God's Word. They had to come to church to hear God's Word read. It was only the extremely wealthy or the churches that held a copy of God's Word. And praise God for people like Wycliffe and others who translated God's Word into English so that we could read it. So as I read it and as you hold it in your hands, don't take it lightly that you hold the precious Word of God, which has come to us through the blood of so many martyrs to bring it to us. Psalm 29, a Psalm of David. Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon to skip like a calf and Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. 
The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the forest bare and all his temple cry glory. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as king forever. May the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with peace. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Please. I had to confess to my children not long ago that I am in fact getting old. I couldn't hear very well. Lauren would be talking to me in a crowded restaurant and I would lean into her and I would find myself cupping my hand over my ear to hear the voice of the voice of the one most precious to me in my life and I couldn't hear her words and I went to the doctor and they ran some tests and they said oh oh you old man have what's called otosclerosis and it's where your stapes the smallest bone in your body becomes rigid and calcified and can't vibrate and you can't hear very well and they took it out and they gave me a titanium one and an outpatient procedure and i could hear lauren's voice it was so clear intimate her voice was beautiful to my ears in the mountains of New Mexico earlier this summer, 10 boys and three of us dads hiked across uh, the, to the peak of Mount Phillips. And when we summited Mount Phillips, we were completely enclosed in a cloud. And as we were coming down the mountain, we walked for about a quarter of a mile, half a mile, and we realized that, oh my gosh, we're walking down the mountain the wrong way. And the scoutmaster whistled and said, boys, stop. We're going the wrong way. Come toward my voice. And eerily and sluggishly, these boys with their packs on climbed back up part of the mountain. And they lumbered toward the voice of their scoutmaster. And through the clouds, we're counting one, two, three, four. And then all 13 of us were there. All 14 of us, 14 of us were there. And you could hear his voice clearly. And when you're lost in the mountains and you come through the clouds, mm, man, it was comforting to hear the voice of the scoutmaster. His voice was beautiful to our ears. St. Augustine was 31 years old. He was a professor in Milan. He had an ascending career in 386 B.C. And he struggled deeply through a relationship that he had a child with. His child's name was Adiodatus. And he lived a life as one who did not have any sense of moral compass. And a friend of his named Olypius began to talk to him about Jesus. And, and he began to leave his Manichaeism, his, his religion that he had embraced. And he started to think about the nature of Christianity. And one day, torn by this love affair he was having with this woman with whom he had a child and all of his past, he went out into his backyard and he sat and weeped in the grass and in confessions, it says he, he pulled out his hair and he swung his arms and he was trying to figure out, God, where are you? And he sat down by this tree exhausted and he heard a child's voice, a boy or a girl. He says he does not know which. And it says, Tola lege, Tola lege in Latin, take up and read, take up and read. And he realized that Olypius, his friend, had left a copy of, of Paul's letters 
to the Romans at his, at his house. And he went and he picked up the place where Olypius had finished reading. And he lowered his eyes to the text and he read, Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the, the flesh to gratify its sinful desires. And Romans 13 just cut him to the heart. And he heard God's voice telling him to trust him. And through tears and confusion, the clear, clarion voice of God. It was the voice. It was beautiful to his ears. The same could be said of Martin Luther, if you know that story, in 1505 when he was walking from law school to visit his parents from Erfurt to Mansfeld and he got stuck in a thunderstorm on his way home and in the thunderstorm he cried out, he grabbed a giant granite rock and he cried out, Saint Anne, save me! And he heard a voice of comfort and he was saved from the storm and he later writes the voice of God. The voice was clear. It was redemptive. The voice was beautiful to his ears. In Psalm 29, David praises God for his awesome power and he contemplates the consequences of a storm. And David was an outdoorsman he appeals to nature in many of his psalms and he celebrates the power and the magnet, magnet, uh, magnitude of God's amazing force over nature. And here David says, oh, do you hear amidst the storm the voice, the voice of the Lord? It is beautiful to my ears. And I don't know what voice you tend to listen to. Glenn Beck, Sean Hannity. Yeah, I see a couple of mumbled amen. Seth Myers, Jimmy Fallon. David French. I mean, what voice do you listen to? We all have the voices, right? And we've all kind of grown weary of listening to these modern-day prophets that so many of you just cling to for knowing what to do because we all want to know what to do in COVID. And David tells us that you want to know with the voice, the best choice is always God's voice in his word, David says. And so lower your eyes to Psalm 29 with me. And just for a few minutes together, it's late in the hour, we're going to look at two things. The Lord's power over the storm. The Lord's power over the storm. And the power of his voice in the storm. Now I'm going to move fast, so stay with me. The first two verses of the psalm are a call to worship. Ascribe to the Lord Oh, heavenly beings. A scribe used to be used in the 17th century for registering for classes or for writing something down. The word ascribe just means to give account to, to, to register a characteristic as true. If you register for a class, you are part of algebra, you are part of calculus, you are part of whatever. To ascribe glory and honor, David is saying, render to the Lord those characteristics that are true of him. And what are they? Glory. And strength. Glory, the word picture for glory is if you ever drop a weight in a pool next to a, a pool toy that floats, the weight poof, plummets and the pool toy floats because God is weighty. He floats. I mean, He does not float, He sinks to the depths of your heart. He always outweighs all the competing voices. He is full of glory and strength. And later on down in verses 3 and 4, it says that God is the God over the chaos of the storm. 
God's voice rumbles. David here is giving a picture of a storm that is coming east over the Mediterranean Sea, going over Lebanon, breaking the cedar trees of Lebanon with which people use to carve all kinds of beautiful things. He is breaking down human ingenuity as if to say God is over every innovation of humanity. And he, the storm comes south over Lebanon into Syrian, into Kadesh, where the wandering Israelites were stuck in the wilderness. It comes and it breaks through Kadesh as if to say the Lord is going to move from east to west, north to south. And he is going to destroy everything in its wake. Because it is the strength of the Lord that is stronger than every other worldly power. God is a sovereign judge who dominates the realm of nature, even the realms of nature that seem most unruly. And for the people of God back then, the waters were the most intimidating place. Chaos. And yet here is the Lord over the waters. Verses 5 and 6, you see his power continue. Everything that seems most impressive to us, the cedars of Lebanon with the great homes and temples that they built to Baal, made out of cedar, the Lord breaks like toothpicks, crushes them. He makes Lebanon to skip like a calf. The whole city, the strength of the country, waving in the wind. It's as though you're looking down from afar and he goes, this looks like a calf skipping. The Lord is just skipping the storm right through. Nothing is stopping it. If you've seen a tornado come through Oklahoma, you know something of what this imagery is like. He goes over Syrian like a wild ox. The voice flashes forth flames of fire. The lightning cause forest fires. The forked tongues of the lightning crash upon the ground and flames shoot forth. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. And in Hebrew, if you were to read it, it would sound something like boom, boom, boom. The cadence of the Hebrew is an onomatopoeia. It sounds like a storm cascading across the landscape. And those who have ears to hear and to see Israel's God know that it is Israel's God who has the power over all the competing voices. It is Israel's God who has power over the nature God, Baal, who the Syrians and the Canaanites worshipped. It is the Lord who is to be given glory and splendor and majesty. One interesting note about this psalm in verse 2. Two, do you see where it says, worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness? And, and you'll note, some of you have a little footnote there. It has number, in my Bible, it says footnote number three. And on the bottom, what does it say there? Anybody see it? It says there's an alternative translation that says, in holy attire. And, and, and did you know that, that in the argument of David in this psalm, the splendor of holiness is talking about God's splendor of holiness. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his, God's holiness. But, but Christians of yesteryear would actually use Psalm 9, 29 verse 2 in part to defend why you should dress up for Sunday worship. You should worship the Lord in holy attire. They took that literally to say, 
wear your Sunday best to worship because how can you worship an infinitely beautiful God when you don't dress up? And so if you want to dress up, that's cool. You can dress up if you want to, but that's not what this verse is saying. This verse is talking about the Lord's splendor and the Lord's glory and the Lord's power. But let me ask you a question. Do you see it? The best choice is always God's voice. And we are listening to a hundred different voices right now. Fauci telling us about what is and what is not allowed with COVID. Wondering about what school boards are going to do with schools. How do we handle it ourselves? And if you're going to see the Lord's power over the storm, then you have to understand the power of His voice in the storm. Six times David begins his description of the storm with the voice of the Lord. And God's voice is always tied to his power, isn't it? Genesis chapter 1, the voice of the, the, the Lord is hovering over the waters. And he said, let there be light. And there was light. Or, or Exodus chapter 3, the burning bush. And the, the Lord's, the, the, the voice came out of the bush to Moses. Or Isaiah Chapter 40, a voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight a desert, a highway for our God. And nobody listened. The prophets preached and nobody listened. And guys, listen, Jesus is coming this morning to say to you, listen to my voice. Some of you, in the midst of all of the anxiety that we feel right now and the trauma of this day, I mean, some of you feel like, like when is the last time that you've had like a deep and meaningful conversation with another brother or sister that you could just like rest in their presence and not always try to like jockey up, okay, like what, what's, what, where's the COVID sensibilities and where we, it's hard. And God wants to say, even amidst all of the, temptations to divide his church. God is saying, hear my voice. Stick together. Talk at a level and a depth that is real and honest and is beyond chips and dip and small talk. Confess your sins to one another. You want a community group that grows in depth? Well, don't wait for others to tell you how to do it. Just lead the way. I mean, confess your sins. I mean, guys, when I'm reading this text this week, I mean, I'm just reminded of the ways that I have not heard God's voice in my own life. There was, there are seasons of my life where I just, before I knew Jesus, could care less about issues of morality or God. And then there was a season when, man, I was just a 100% Pharisee. And I was good at it. And it took my brother to sit me down at a steak restaurant when I was... Praise God he did it 20 years ago and said, Blake, you are really hard to live with because you're such a Pharisee and you're judging people like crazy. And you wonder why people can't come to church in Owasso, Oklahoma, in Tulsa, Oklahoma? Because so many of our churches don't demonstrate the same grace with which we have received in Jesus. We've got to hear his voice. And I know you have your favorite people on the radio, and I know you have your favorite podcasts, and I know that if the sermon stinks today, you can go listen to 15 other preachers today. But do you not know that the power of God's work in your life comes through the local church, and he does it with clarity and might and power? Do you hear his voice? It is beautiful 
to our ears. It's beautiful for Liz and Mark in Ireland. God's voice over there, a place that was once just full of gospel proclamation. Now, crickets. And the Lord has put them over there at the tip of the spear to encourage these pastors who are doing hard work. Do you hear his voice? When John the Baptist arrives on the scene, there's a prophet in the wilderness who's eating locusts and honey. And again, the voice of the Lord breaks forth and people think about Isaiah's word. The voice of the Lord in the wilderness and he's one crying out. And when John the Baptist comes on the scene, his voice says, there is a greater voice coming. It is the Lamb of God, John 1, who takes away the sins of the world. And a few verses before that in John, Jesus' dear beloved friend says, Jesus is the word of God. He is the voice of God. Do you know him? And do you hear him? And Jesus, who is the voice of the Lord, who comes and is over the waters, that God's glory thunders. Jesus proclaimed his message in the Sermon on the Mount. And people who were sinners flocked to him. And all the religious churchgoers just like were offended. Jesus is the one who is powerful. His voice is the Lord. Of, his voice is full of majesty. Jesus' voice breaks the cedars. He broke the wood of the cross at his death. He broke the cedar that Satan used to try to win victory over all humanity. And Jesus on the cross broke it. And he said, listen to my voice. And Jesus flashed forth flames of fire. He rose from the dead three days later. The tomb gave birth to the risen one like the deer gives birth in verse 9. And Jesus sits enthroned over the flood. He sits enthroned as king forever. May the Lord give strength to his people. Oh, Jesus, give us strength because we need it. And may he bless his people. Notice the, the transition, the sudden transition. May he bless his people with peace. The pattern of the violence of a storm and then the peace that comes to us through God's work for his people is a consistent theme in the Psalms. You see it, for example, in Psalm 68 very clearly. And the pattern for us as God's people is you need to hear his voice. How do you hear his voice? You continue to come to worship, you treasure his word, and you spend time in it. Now remember the fruit of our devotion to Jesus blossoms into things like reading God's Word, memorizing Scripture, knowing what it says, understanding theology. But the root, the way you grow, is always faith and repentance. It's the same way you became a Christian. The root of your growth in the Christian life is faith and repentance. And so some of you this morning need to pause before you come to the table and say, Lord, I have become overwhelmed and overcome by all the cacophony of voices that I have listened to. When Jesus is calling to you to say, hey, move toward God's people. Withhold judgment toward them about masks or no masks. We're so glad people have masks in this room. It's wonderful. And we're also equally glad that we don't have to have them on our face. And this is an opportunity for us, people of God, to apply the gospel, not just in worship, but in all of your life. What voice drives you? What voice do you listen to? The best choice is always God's voice. And the way you hear it is in three simple ways. 
After faith and repentance as the pistons that drive your relationship with Jesus, you hear it and getting into God's Word, reading it, making margin in your life to dwell in it. I encourage you to start with the book of John if the Bible seems intimidating to you. But not just reading it by yourself because every man who ever led a heretical movement, many of them started by reading the Bible by themselves. You have to also have the fellowship of God's people. You have to have it confirmed. Your interpretation confirmed. Is that your bean burrito or is that the Holy Spirit? Let's figure it out. How do you know if it's really the voice of God? Because it is God's word confirmed in his covenant community. God's word confirmed in his covenant community. And then how is it become even clearer in your heart, you pray it in. God's word, God's people, and prayer, the means of grace. Do you enjoy those things? This weekend, this weekend I treated my yard for army worms, and many of you did too, and my dog, some of you guys know this, my dog got into some of the pesticide and got really sick. So we took her to the vet, and they fixed her up. They ran IV fluids through her. The irony was I was trying to save money by doing it myself, but I didn't expect to have to take my dog to the vet. <laughs> but here we are, and they're giving my dog this medicine, and she's getting better. And it's like the Lord is saying, hey, listen, you, you all got muscle spasms, people of God. You're, all of us are in a storm. But he's given you the medicine. He's given you the thing you need. He's given you his word, and he's saying, make margin for it. Read it and do it in the company of God's people and deepen in prayer together. You can do it. I know some of you who are raising your kids. You have parents who raise your kids differently than you do. I know your stories. I've heard of them. You have parents, and it is just like infuriating for you to know how to help your mom and dad see that you are raising your kids different than you grew up. And they keep making it worse because they're giving them stuff. They just get to give them candy and then they leave them with you to help work out all the consequences. Or some of you who are newly married, year one and two of marriage is so hard. It is hard after that honeymoon. And then years four to seven are a little easier. Then you get into another rough patch. And then, and then down the road, you, you, couples experience what are called, it's called gray divorce. They've been married 20 and 30 years. Their kids are now out of the house and they look at each other and they, they haven't connected. There's no real communication. There's very little sex. There's, very, there's a lot of uh, uh, tumult about the nature of finances. And they're like, where are you? And they're fighting it. And look around, guys. Like, we're all in this together. We should care about those couples who are married 20 and 30 years and those couples who are married one and two years. We should care about those who are single. We should care about childhood. We should care about widowhood. Welcome to the church. And we have to help each other listen to the voice of the Lord together. Because it's beautiful to our ears. So would you, people of God, would you take Psalm 29 and would you hear the voice of the Lord crying out to you? And would you see Jesus, who is the true word of God, who cried out to his Father in heaven, and for the first time in Jesus' life, his voice was not heard. And he died on that cross for you so that the Father's ear could always be turned toward yours, O Christian. And hear your hearts cry. Don't take advantage of it. The best choice is always God's voice. And he loves to listen to your cries. And he loves to respond to you. Oh, my child, come to my table. I love you. I'm your father in heaven. Can you say that's true of you? Hear his voice.
come to his table today in power and glory and splendor and majesty. He will shake the foundations of your life so that you hear him well. And that is his sovereign and sweet and good act of mercy. Father, would you help us this morning to be still and know that you are God. You're exalted among the nations. You're exalted among the earth. Thank you, Jesus, that your voice was cut off from your Father's hearing so that you, our Father, would never turn your ear away from our cries. Would you help us now to turn again towards your Son, to love his word, to read it, to hear his voice, gentle and lowly, calling to us. And help us as God's people ascribe glory and strength as we live as your cross-shaped community for the common good in our community, a place that we love. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name.